The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them to, into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us. Who have borne the burdens of the day and the scorching heat? But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, as I mentioned last week, I also mentioned it in my announcements this morning, <clears throat> we made the decision a while ago to begin this program year with a focus on the sacraments and on prayer. So last week we began that three-week sort of mini-series appropriately with baptism, which is the sacrament of initiation into the Christian life. Today, as I mentioned, we are celebrating Holy Communion, and again, I invite you to get your bread and wine or grape juice ready for that in a little bit, <clears throat> and next week we will talk about how prayer allows us during our Christian walk and journey to stay connected uh, in conversation uh, with God throughout our lives. And uh, so I'm going to be talking about communion uh, this morning, but before I get to that, I, I have an announcement I want to make about communion. I know many of you, uh, I've talked to many of you about this, have grieved uh, the lack of the usual rhythm of communion that we typically have here at St. Philip Deacon during this pandemic. So during October, on Wednesdays at noon, we are going to hold small, and they will be small, intimate, and short communion services. They're probably going to be about 15 or 20 minutes. Um, because they will be small numbers, you'll have to sign up for them. Uh, I'd invite you to sign up for one, it, uh, not two or three or four, to allow as many people to participate as possible. But look for more information about how you can sign up for those this coming week. Again, that'll be Wednesdays in October at noon, small, intimate communion services here in the sanctuary. 
and we're looking forward to seeing some of you at least at those uh, services. So for my message today, again, on communion, I sort of reflected on a number of, of things we could have lifted up. We certainly could have lifted up um, the readings. I mean, very typically our homilies or sermons focus on the readings for today. Um, the first reading today was from 1 Corinthians, which is Paul recounting the Last Supper, the words of Jesus on uh, what we call Maundy Thursday, the words of institution. Um, the gospel this morning uh, is a parable by Jesus, which is uh, profound and deep in lots of ways, but we could have talked about how it, among other things, uh, reminds us of the persistence or the presence of vineyards and wine. Uh, in the ancient world. We could have talked about the origins of communion in the Seder meal or the Passover meal, which is what the disciples and Jesus were celebrating at the Last Supper, um, and so forth and so on. We could have talked about the roots uh, or the differences of communion between different Christian churches or the particular distinctive of the Lutheran tradition as it relates to communion. But as I was reflecting on uh, the topic this weekend, the thing that ended up getting kind of stuck in my mind uh, is actually the quote that you will find on the back of your worship folder this morning, the bulletin this morning. I don't know if you pay attention to those. We have one there every week. And it's kind of a way to distill or focus uh, maybe a theme from that particular uh, Sunday. And this week, the quote that I found, the preaching pastor always finds it, um, comes from Father Gregory Boyle. Uh, some of you may remember Father Boyle um, from when he was here, I believe it was in 2012, as part of the Faith and Life uh, lecture series. He is still ministering in LA. Uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, he was a priest at, I believe, what was the poorest Catholic uh, parish in all of Los Angeles, which had a great deal of gang activity. And from his time there, he ended up creating something called Homeboy Industries, which is now the largest gang intervention, rehabilitation, and reentry program in the entire world. Uh, some of you may know him also as an author. Um, Tattoos on the Heart was his first uh, well-known book. Uh, he's also written a book called Barking to the Choir. Now, I realize we do not have saints, at least not biblical saints, in the Lutheran tradition. We have saints like St. Philip the Deacon, obviously. Um, but as I sat right over here and listened to Father Boyle speak, from this very place for Faith and Life all those years ago, uh, what I sat and thought is, I am listening here to a saint. Um, he spoke about profoundly important and significant issues. He spoke about issues of life and death. He told tragic, heart-wrenching stories of some of the gang activities in his backyard and how he ministered uh, to these young men, mostly. But he was also accessible and humble. And the truth is, he was incredibly funny. Uh, those of you who may know his work as an author may know what I'm talking about, this combination of gravity and seriousness alongside of unexpected and sometimes side-splitting uh, humor. So I chose the quote for the back of the bulletin. And as I mentioned, um, it stuck with me. I already knew how much I deeply respect and appreciate Father Boyle's ministry which meant maybe I paid a little more attention to this particular quote, but it stayed with me. And here, maybe you've already looked at it since I mentioned it, but here's the quote. Um, he says, I always have a funny story at communion time that underscores the fact that no one is perfect and that communion is not for perfect people, but for hungry people. Which reminds us, of course, that communion is a meal 
And as I was thinking about what I was going to talk about today, one of the potential paths I thought about taking was to focus on that meal aspect of communion. And so I'd already been sort of rehearsing in my mind some of the meals in my own life that I remembered. But when I coupled that with uh, Father Boyle's comment about the fact that he always shares a humorous or funny story as a way to remind us that we're not perfect and that communion is for hungry people, not for perfect people, uh, one story rose to the top very quickly, um, which, following Father Boyle's recommendation, I'm now going to share with you, which I do hope I do not regret. So, here's the story. A number of years ago, uh, my wife and I were invited to a couple's house for a meal in their backyard at an outdoor picnic table. We'd never been there before, and we didn't know them at that point particularly well. So this was our first get-to-know-you sort of extended time together, our first get-to-know-you dinner. Uh, many of you will know what I'm talking about here, I think, when I say that the two wives knew each other a little bit, but I did not know the husband uh, he didn't know me. We had maybe met once or twice, but we certainly have never, had never spent any time uh, together. So as we anticipated this meal, there was the usual uncertainty about having a meal with people you don't know well as two couples. Um, and there was that very normal, very understandable social uncertainty and anxiety, um, which in my case, and I don't know if Valerie would agree with me or my other pastoral colleagues, but I would say that that normal social anxiety is always compounded because I'm a pastor. Having the pastor over to dinner, it just has a way of dialing up or amping up the anxiety level or the potential awkwardness. And I sensed, I think, uh, accurately a bit of this apprehensiveness on the part of our hosts. And while we were enjoying dinner, I'm not sure I would say everyone was totally or completely relaxed or comfortable. So remember the setting. We're in the backyard at a picnic table. Uh, and this couple, it's important to note, have a handful, well, not a handful, they have a few boys, they're all boys, uh, who at the time were quite young. They may have sat with us for a little bit, I can't really remember at the picnic table, but at this point, they had left. They were scrambling around in the backyard, and it's important to point out that they were playing with a slingshot of some sort. No big deal. Amy and I, many of you know this, have four children of our own, three boys and a daughter with special needs. We figured we had seen it all. We'd seen everything, we thought. <laughs> Until, as we were chatting there over the meal, something fell from the sky right onto the table where we were eating. It turned out that this something was the slingshot that the boys had been playing with, which turned out not to be a slingshot at all, but, wait for it, Valerie's laughing, I hope the rest of you are anticipating this as well, it was not a slingshot, it was an athletic supporter. A jock strap. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a meal with another couple and had an athletic supporter <laughs> fall from the sky onto the table, but I can assure you that it has a way of, shall we say, lightening the mood. I'm glad the people in the sanctuary are laughing. I hope all of you are as well. And after that, there was no longer, I promise you, any worry about having the pastor over. <laughs> Once a jockstrap lands on the table, and you've survived that, there's not too much to worry about anymore in terms of how the dinner is going to go. And so you relax, and you breathe, 
without pretense, without posturing, without posing, and you sit and enjoy one another's company, which is what we did. And that, I guess, is my prayer for us as we gather around the table for communion today. Not to be clear that an athletic supporter falls out of the sky onto the table where you are celebrating communion, um, but that we, all of us, as friends and family, as a community drawn together by God's love, can be comfortable, can be ourselves in the presence of a God who loves us and who wants us to know he loves us, even though none of us is perfect. Remember Father Boyle's quote. He tells a funny story at communion to underscore the fact that no one is perfect and to remind us that communion is not for perfect people but for hungry people. And so today, whatever you are hungry for, whether you are hungry for assurance from anxiety or healing from pain, or a sign that you are not alone, or a sense of God's forgiveness, or a reminder simply of the profound truth that God loves you. Yes, you, even with all of your imperfections and failures. I pray that this meal that we share today may nourish you and give you strength and feed your deepest hunger. Amen.